Thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love of the Lord and each other. I am Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. And we're so happy that you're joining us today. Uh, If you're one of the listeners who really kind of keeps up on the programs and and really follows it as we uh, release new ones, you may have felt a little bit in the drought season because (laughs) we uh, had an unexpected uh, longer uh, time between recording sessions. Uh, We were hoping to just take a little break uh, during the holiday season, but then get back at it quite soon afterwards. And unfortunately, illness prevented uh, us from recording sooner, but we're happy to be back and excited to be in the studio again to have great conversations right. about uh, just all things of the Lord. Yeah, so. Megan, I was telling you uh, just before we started this broadcast that um, I had someone walk up to me and say how much of a retreat it is like for her to listen. And I thought that really blessed me because I told her, you know what, that's what it's like when we get to get together today. So I'm looking forward to our time and the topics we're going to talk about, which are so very near and dear to both of our hearts. So you want to tell us about this first topic we're going to tackle today? Well, you know, we figure even though uh, we're a little over a week and a half into the new year, you know, people are uh, still sort of having the idea of New Year's resolutions and things on their mind. And sometimes this is a point, uh, even just this early on, where people start to feel like the things that maybe they committed to are they're not quite as excited about Mm -hmm. or they're not really sure that they want to continue or maybe they weren't, you know, good choices to begin with. And so we just thought that it would be interesting for us to talk about this, this kind of idea of at the beginning of a new year, there's just this sense of taking stock of uh, where you're at kind of right, physically, right. spiritually, and, and just really coming up with some ideas about how one might want to strive okay. to improve in areas in their life uh in going forward in the new year. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes because the culture tends to be very ordered towards, uh, you know, appearance, things that are physical in nature, uh, we often just kind of jump to, all right, uh, I'm going to exercise and eat better in the new year, or I'm going to lose this amount of weight or, you know, this, that, or the other. Right. You see on all the Instagram feeds, all the social media, the gyms and the diets and all that stuff. It's just, it's tradition. We all are kind of like programmed to think that way. Right. But I have to say, having done that for many years to try and think of the new goals for the new year, um, I would say I've been kind of in prayer for the last couple of weeks, just really, you know, talking to the Lord about what what he wants for me in this new year. How does he want me to be different you know, what does that entail? So that's kind of like what we're talking about today is like, kind of let's look at it from a different angle. Let's look at it from our, more of our Catholic faith perspective. Sure. I think uh, it's easy to kind of default to, um, you know, the things that are more familiar as far as, you know, like diet and exercise. And I remember I used to be really into fitness, right? I used to be a right, personal right, right. trainer and everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, those of us who were kind of, you know, year-long gym rats, we'd always kind of roll our eyes when the uh, post-New Year crowd would start swarming in and using up all the cardio machines and everything. And we would always, you know, think, all right, well, you know, they'll be here for about a month and then they'll be gone and and then we'll have the gym back to ourselves. Um, But I do think that... We can, in our sort of, you know, 
kind of mindless sort of way just default to things that just seem like a good idea, right? Well, of course, it's a good idea to exercise and want to eat better. But how much like real discernment do right. we often, you know, use in order to make these these resolutions for the new year? I mean, how often do you hear somebody say, well, you know, I took some time in prayer. I, you know, really asked the Lord to guide me on, you know, areas that in my life that he's desiring for me to grow and um, areas that, you know, he wants to bring healing or he wants to inspire me to go further. So like a lot of times it doesn't really go that way. And I think it's often because you probably don't think that much about what resolution, say if you're planning on making a resolution, what one you're going to make before the Christmas season, like, Mm. because you're all caught up with Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. And okay, okay, I just need to get through Christmas and then I'll worry about it. But the thing is, is that once Christmas is come and gone and, and everything like, New Year's is upon you. So then you're like, oh my gosh, I need to figure this out by New Year's Day. And and otherwise it doesn't count or something <laughs> no, because I don't no, start no. it right on New Year's Day right. or the day after New Year's. No. And so you just kind of rush to something uh, that you're going to make a commitment. But the thing is, is that I think in general, things in life that are not well discerned, that really haven't been examined from a number of different angles, tend not to be very fruitful or right. long lasting if they're, you know, yeah. commitments to change. You know, Megan, one of the things that um, has helped me to some extent is I've transitioned from being at a New Year's resolution to what are my goals for this year? You know, if I'm trying to be the best version of myself to really be more of who God created me to be, what would that look like and where are those areas where I need to to work harder to improve? So I like, I like the idea of goals and, you know, I don't know if you write them down. I started pondering and writing some of mine down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to help me more, but they say it's very right. good to write them down. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that I would say regarding that is really good. A goal for the future, I think often should be rooted in examination of the past. So this idea of, let me look at the year that's gone by instead of just like, just go blazing into the next year and just put aside everything that happened in the year before. Take a look, take stock and say, you know what? This went well in life over this past year. This is, I felt peaceful in this area of my life, or I felt like I was really growing in this area. But oh, over here, I kind of feel like, you know, I, I just wasn't who I was called to be, or I felt confused, or I had a lack of peace. Like when you identify things like that, that's a great place to start examining what are my goals then going yes, forward right. to kind of build on on each year, right? right? So I would like to give people who are listening right now, no matter when you're listening, maybe you're listening to this, you know, right at you know, third week of January, or maybe you don't get to this until like, you know, sometime in March or April. If you just want to start fresh right now, you don't need to wait for the calendar year to change, Absolutely, you know, but take that time to take stock in the light of the Holy Spirit Right. about where am I? Where are areas that I need to grow, change, heal? And, and then move forward. 
Right. I, love, I mean, what's coming to mind as you're talking is, you know, Jesus during his passion says, behold, mother, I make all things new. And let us try and think of the way that we can become new for him, you know, in honor of his suffering for us and dying for us. He's done so much. What is it that we can do that uh, is so pleasing to him to strive to be more like him? And what does that mean? Do you know? Right. And I think one of the things that we can get caught up in a lot is this idea of, okay, what do I need to do? Like, what do I need to do? When sometimes the, the more fruitful thing is, what do I need to allow God to do in me? Um, so that idea of we, we don't have to like approach this with this super sort of independent minded, I've got to make it happen. Like it all depends on me kind of mindset, Right. like this spirit of cooperation with the Lord, I think is a really beautiful place to kind of come at this. Like, where do I want to increase my level of cooperation with the mm-hmm. Lord in my life? Right. You know, as you're saying that too, Megan, what comes to mind that um, is a beautiful image for me that I've done in the past is also, you know, bring the Blessed Mother into this. She's our mother and mother helped to care for me and teach me how to care for myself because a good mother does that. She teaches us how to take good care of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so invoke her on this too. Like how, what can I do to take better care of myself and my loved ones around me. Yeah, as you say that, I'm thinking of, you know, like the typical stereotype of a mom where she's like, it's cold out, put your jacket on, or, <laughs> you know, you got to eat your vegetables, or, you know, what are those kind of things that uh, the Blessed yeah. Mother may be saying yeah. to us about... How's your sacraments? You know, When's the last time you went to confession? <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. How's your daily mass routine? Do you have a daily mass routine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so why don't we kind of break it down? Because I think we are sort of thinking in two ways of sort of spiritual health and physical health as the kind of two big areas that you might, you know, want to focus on areas to grow in the, you know, in a new year or anytime Mm -hmm. you're setting new goals for yourself. So what do you want to start with as far as spiritual or physical? Well, you know, I think spiritual. Um, physical, we should start with a little bit, and I'll tell you why. I, I've this has just been an observant uh, observation of myself and family members too. That sometimes when our health is really poor, um, our we have a lot of brain fog and we're kind of clouded, and you can't really you know discern well because your health is poor. You know, maybe you just. Mm-hmm eating too many sweets and carbs and stuff like that. And you walk around this brain fog and yeah, you're not good to much anybody. So let's start with physical. Like okay. let's try and get more to like a baseline where um, cognitive clarity, let's say. Yeah, I would. I have to agree because about that idea of, you know, it can be difficult to attend to your spiritual life when you're physically not feeling well because it was my fault <laughs> that we had to uh, postpone the recording because I was ill and I am not a person who's ill much at all. Like I am a super healthy person, person, praise be to God. He's just blessed me with a strong immune system. And so I found myself where I wasn't like super, super sick, but I just felt so puny. That's right. the word I would use. Oh, yes, a and, good one. and I recognized, I was like, okay, I've often said to myself, 
well, if I were just really like slow down and have all this kind of free time where I wasn't, you know, feeling like I needed to attend to meetings outside the house or housework or any of that stuff, I would be really killing it in prayer. But the reality <laughs> is, is that when I wasn't feeling well, I was not killing it in prayer. I was like barely even thinking of the Lord. I was literally sitting in a chair staring off into space. Just like, because it seemed like it took it's energy to, yeah, yeah. to even focus my mind on the mm -hmm. Lord, right? Mm -hmm. And so that reality is, if you're in poor health, that you're not going to have the energy to be this, you know, conquering spiritual, you know, being that, and you know, it's in classic thought, you know, there's the mensana and corporis sanus, which is sound mind and a sound body okay. is what it means. Okay. And But, you know, mind in the terms of, you know, ancient Greeks or whatever, you know, they didn't have quite the same sense of the soul. But I would also say that, you know, a sound soul and a sound body, because we are meant, and we've talked about this many times, to be this integrated human person right. right that has a body and a soul and when one's off kilter the other one is going to struggle and so the physical stuff while you know it may not seem as lofty as growing to these great heights of spiritual you know health it's going to impact our ability to go grow in exactly. spiritual health because it it is that place where we find just the energy to move forward. And I think that when we go at it from, okay, I'm just going to eat better and exercise. Well, that's really general. And our bodies are very specific. Exactly. You know, we what's going to work for one person to improve health is not necessarily going to work for another person. So that idea of what is eating well for me look like. Right. You know, Megan, this is why the diet industry does such a bang up job with a million different diets, because you know what? Some of them can be right for others and others not for others. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like yeah. you have to really know yourself. I really highly recommend an elimination diet to see sensitivities to start off with. It's not to stay on forever, but it's just to get an idea of what your body really doesn't like and it reacts to. Um, inflammation being one of the biggest causes, too, of uh, brain fog and things like that. Yeah, and that, that can certainly be helpful at times. And with always them, I think you make the good point of there's so often that people will start on these like really intense sort of restrictive diets and things like that. And then it, it becomes so just uncomfortable and so consuming of their lives that they can't sustain it. Not sustainable. And so, but... And so they're just kind of white knuckling it for 30 days or something like that, mm. which, you know, we often know more than we think we know as it relates to oh, I like the our sound physical of that health. Because I don't think I know much. <laughs> no, it's like, okay, for example, I know that if we get pizza and I eat more than one piece of pizza, I'm going to feel gassy <laughs> like that. It just is as far as <laughs> pizza and me. So then the question becomes, why do you keep eating two pieces of pizza when you know you're going to feel ill later? Mm. Like these sort of things where take stock of what you already know about yourself right. and say to yourself, 
what causes me to make decisions with my health and my physical well-being that I know make me feel bad. Right, right. My example is, oh man, I'm having so much brain fog today. Oh yeah, we had pasta last night. Mm. Pasta, sugar, all those kind of high carbs give me terrible brain fog. And I know that, uh, but the kids just like <laughs> like that spaghetti so much. Right. And so, so then you say, okay, so why did I eat the pasta? Well... I was trying to be pleasing to the kids. And to be truthful, I really actually kind of like the taste of it as well, even though it makes me feel like junk later. All right. Okay. Let's look at that. So look mm-hmm. at it. Mm-hmm. Do you have to eat the pasta simply because you're giving it to the kids? No. No. Do I have the self-discipline to avoid it if I've made it? Not so much. <laughs> and, and so if that's the case, yeah. then you have one of two things that you have to decide, right? You can either decide, I need to do something to grow in self-discipline, or this is kind of like a, a near occasion of physical sin for me, and I'm not prepared to be pleasing to my family in this way without it causing a problem, so I'm going to seek other ways to show my love to my family. Right. Well, you know, I've done that too for a long time. Like I just didn't do pasta. I didn't make any pasta um, because I didn't want the temptation there. Mm. Right. But I, I was listening to a wise priest who said that if you get rid of all the temptation in your house, where's the virtue in that? You know, if it's mm-hmm. there and you have opportunity to increase in virtue, then that's what you should do. So you're, you're kind of making his point. Right. Yeah. So that, that, but then there's an intentionality to the answering the question for oneself why do I struggle with self-discipline in this area? Like so often when people say, I'm just like, I don't have any self-discipline in this area. Like I, I struggle with self-discipline. But then it's almost like they throw up their hands and say, well, that's it. Like I, I can't, that's just the way it is. That's just the way I am. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality is, is that the Lord wants good things for us. He wants us to be healthy and happy. And if there's something in our lives that's causing us to make choices that don't lead to good health and happiness, he wants to get in there and he wants to help us grow in the virtue of temperance or, you know, fortitude or these virtues that actually help us to live these lives that are more properly ordered. I've, I noticed that, um, There were a lot of ads that came on the TV uh, after New Year's for that Noom uh, weight loss program. And I hadn't really understood what it was until I started seeing these ads more. But from what I can tell, it's it's a psychological approach to weight loss. It's trying to understand kind of your triggers, how you start, you created relationship with food based on how it was involved in your life when you were younger and and really kind of trying to understand your relationship to food so that then you can make better choices, which I think is awesome, but it's only one part of the equation because there's understanding yourself, but then there's healing Mm. and healing comes through the Lord. And so when you can come to a greater sense of self-understanding But then invite the Lord into that place because knowing doesn't necessarily mean changing. Oh, that's so true. Right? Sure. The change comes through the healing and the renewal of the mind. 
right? And so then you see, you when you recognize there's this area that I'm struggling, that's when you can bring the Lord into it and he have him guide you in sort of an incremental approach to growing in the virtue that you need to grow in in order to live in the healthy manner that you're designed to live. Okay, so let me just recap what you said like in like, you know, abstract. So basically what you're saying is we should encourage our listeners or someone like myself to really look at that relationship with food, know that there's something behind it that may be making it disordered and asking for the Lord to come into that moment with his grace and show us um, and, and heal us of those areas that maybe there's some forgiveness in there. Maybe there's something else going on. Is that pretty yeah, fair? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And, and it also can be like, okay, that's a, a choice to about food. It could also be a choice not to exercise, you know, for if you know that exercise is good for you and then you're choosing not to do it. So then it's not just like, don't just say, well, I guess I'm just lazy. Well, there's probably a lot more going on there than that you're lazy. Maybe you've done exercise in the past that caused you to hurt. And so you're, you're afraid maybe. Okay. Uh We can use me as an example. I'm prime prime for this. We can just have a real world example. (laughs) I actually used to, really exercise a lot. When I say that I was doing either a boot camp or walking pretty regularly. I, mm-hmm. I was a I walked a lot in my life is is my exercise. But now that it, as I've gotten older, the motivation to get out there and walk it's like it's I don't feel like it's doing anything. Um then I that I went and did I did rowing for a while. I loved it, blew out my elbow. So I'm <laughs> like, okay, that's painful. I can't keep right. doing that. And the other side was I love being outdoors for my vitamin C. Um I've tried running too, but I it just is not in my body to run. It's mm-hmm. like Maybe it's too much sensuality because like this is just like it's just so unbearably not fun and I don't see a benefit from it, you know, things like that. And uh, then there's the frugal part of me that says, I don't want to pay for a gym where I'm inside lifting weights, which I'd really like to lift weights. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that um, that's just a big drain on your financial pocket. Like we're smarter than that. We should be able to figure out how to do things like at home or outdoors to, to take care of all those needs. Like in my my case, I want to do weight resistance and I want to be in the sunshine. Right. So you've just acknowledged there there are areas that you feel this is would be good exercise for me. Personally, right, right, right. I've discerned okay. that. <laughs> so you've discerned that. And so then you say, okay, well, maybe you've been a little bit too specific on how that needs to look, right? Maybe you need to think, okay, well, I want to be outside. Okay. So I've got a yard, I've got a driveway, there's parks, you know, okay, there's outside options. Okay. Now I want to lift weights, but I don't want to have to make a big financial investment on things. Okay. Well, you know, you can go and get like cheap hand weights that won't cost you much more than, you know, 50 bucks. And so when you recognize, okay, this is the reality. I can do this. And then you say, but I'm choosing not to, knowing that I've used some excuses and now I've like acknowledged that those are just excuses. What's the real issue? I don't like the way it feels. (laughs) I don't like the way it feels. So then you're, okay, so perfect. So you're saying that, so then it is, it's become a bit of a, a, a 
place of sensuality. Oh, for sure. Where you say it's no uncomfortable. Doubt. It's it hurts. Like again, blowing out my elbow. I was I loved rowing and I was putting in the financial mm-hmm. commitment about it. And then yeah, it's like a tendonitis. But you don't have to do that. Right. So you can do things that don't hurt. Right. And that's wise. It's good to listen to your body. But I think what happens is, is that we get into our minds a lot of times. It's got to look this way or it doesn't Mm. count. Mm. Okay. You know, and really we just need to be a little less rigid and a little more creative about how we're going to do things. Because I, you know, I used to be a personal trainer before my conversion. I, I, well, actually during my conversion, I was a person. I remember that, Megan. Yeah. (laughs) And so people used to ask me, you know, like, what's the best exercise to do? Because everyone wants to know what's the best because they want to all be efficient and everything. And my response was, the one you'll do. Yeah. (laughs) Like, in the end, you know, if you're moving your body, if you're, you know, getting your heart rate up, if you're burning some calories, that's good. And however you do that in a way that's going to be sustainable for you, do that, you know, and you'll often find that as you become more consistent and become, you know, grow in your capabilities, things that used to not be that fun or things that you you know couldn't stand before, they'll all of a sudden not be the burden that they used to be. But it may take that growth in the virtue of fortitude to overcome a tendency towards sensuality that says, I just don't want any discomfort whatsoever. You know? Right. You really want to wonder how, and I mean, we're talking about, well, what's behind that? I mean, I have always wondered why. I mean, is it a personality thing? Is that about my sensuality being Mm -hmm. like, it's just so uncomfortable? Emotionally too. Oh, I I really, you know, if you get me emotionally uncomfortable, man, I'm out of there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anger is one of them. I just can't. I'm like, no, Mm. my daughter was getting emotional the other night. And she really needed to talk. I'm like, let's change the subject. Because I, as a mom, I was like, <laughs> right. ah, this is hurting me. No, I need to talk about it. Okay, okay, go ahead. All right. <laughs> but yeah. again, it could be an emotional and phys- or physical discomfort. And mm-hmm. whew, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to to head that one out. Right, but I think that 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 idea of if you're struggling with something, particularly in an area that has to do with virtue, we need to bring the Lord in. I mean, have you ever actually said, Lord, you know what? I know that exercise is good for my body. I know that you want me to exercise. And so I'm going to ask you for some grace in this area. Just, you know, give me the, you know, more Mm -hmm. grace to do what you would have me do and guide me in the way that you would have me do it and pray and discern. And then when you, you know, feel called, follow the call and be committed to it. Well, he really did that for me. I I prayed, you know, I knew that, okay, I need some accountability. If I have a partner that's going to really help me to overcome some of my difficulties. And he did, he brought me to, um, it was a a neighbor and we went to a boot camp for about three years before the boot camp dissolved. And that was really wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I was really thankful for God. So now I've been praying for three years for another <laughs> accountability. And I have right. one for walking. I have uh-huh. one, I think, that's, well, that's, that's coming good. out because yeah. that's been on my mind. Well, I think it's a beautiful uh, point you make that, you know, community and accountability. Like we talk a lot in our faith as being the body of Christ. So when we're 
trying to grow in health within our bodies, we should be working together, you know, encouraging each other. You know, maybe it is working out together. Yeah. Okay. That's fun. Sometimes it's a really great distraction from the discomfort of exercise to kind of be talking and encouraging each other in it. Or it might just simply be like an accountability partner where you text each other, be like, hey, what'd you do today? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I did this and whatever. Just kind of that supportiveness and how we can help each other grow in all aspects of our lives. And, and physical is, is certainly one of those. Right. Hey, this goes so much with the theme of our show because the person I'm thinking about is is someone who's a prayer friend as well. Mm. So the shoulder to shoulder aspect is not just growing in together in holiness, but gosh, in our health as well, you know, yeah. that kind of accountability, because we know as we're talking that you get, you get more fit in your body, then that's going to naturally lean to more um, orderedness in your spiritual life as well. Yeah. And I think that's actually a good segue over to the spiritual side, because one of the beauties of the discomfort that can come with physical exercise or fasting or or just really being mindful about um, self-denial in, in what you're eating or, you know, these sorts of things, that is actually a beautiful way that you can take into prayer and use it as a mortification you know we did a a show once about mortification physical mortification go back and listen to that one i need to go back and listen to it again (laughs) yeah so you can look at this fresh look at mortification right you can look at this now is not simply something that's good for your physical health but it's also good for your spiritual health to make the discomfort of self-denial or exercise or any of these things start looking at it as not simply you know, something ordered towards physical health, but also growing spiritually. So you're you're creating it as an offering to the Lord. It's not just all about me, 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 and I want to look good and I want to feel good. No, it's about what can I offer to the Lord that it, that I have within my power to make a praise, make a, a, a an offering, a sacrificial offering to him. And you can use it in beautiful ways for intercession. I mean, Lord knows there's plenty of things to be praying about in this world. And when you offer that in conjunction with the sufferings of the Lord through a voluntary act of mortification within your own body, there's spiritual power there. Absolutely. And you're going to grow in intimacy with the Lord when you take that mindset of like, this isn't just about like, some superficial, temporal, physical good thing. This is about growing deeper in relationship with a suffering servant. And that's a, you know, a beautiful way to grow spiritually through a practice that at its start was physical. Yeah. Do you know one of the the things that comes up to mind as you're talking to Megan is, I was listening to Matthew Kelly, by the way, his life is messy. YouTube videos is really wonderful. I highly recommend those. They're about one and a half minutes and it just little spiritual nuggets that I I found really good. One of the things he was talking about in this new year type thing is uh, he would say, if this was your last year to live, what would you do differently? And how would you do? And the first thing I always think of, well, I sure wouldn't exercise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that wouldn't do me any good. Right. Because in in your mindset, you're like, well, who cares about my physical health? Because, you know, I I have one year to live. But again, what if I told you that exercising could be a path to a great growth in spiritual maturity? 
Well, then you might think differently, right? Because you're like, your whole goal is to grow in sanctity, especially in the last year of your life, right? So I think it's a good point, too, to say, you know, we know how we started this saying, like, before you go into new resolutions, think about the year that's been passed and Mm -hmm. ask yourself, you know, where would I like to have grown more? Like, so if we're talking about spiritually, if you look back on the year and you're like, man, you know, I really, my prayer life could have been a lot better. I didn't really spend a lot of intentional time with the Lord or, you know, I didn't go to mass much or I was really lame about confession or these sort of things. Okay. Make some resolutions about those things, you know, say, you know what, the Lord is worth my time. Time with him is never wasted, never wasted. And have you ever noticed, Megan, I know you have, because it's happened to me too, that when you put the Lord first, when you're really super busy, somehow he seems to multiply your time. Oh, absolutely. Just like the loaves, you know? Right, yeah. I'm amazed when that happened. It happened to me today. Perfect example. My grandson's at the house, and I was running behind for adoration, and I do not like being late to adoration. And he says, Lola, will you make me some some eggies? And of course, I stopped to make my grandson eggs, you know, because right. I just couldn't tell him no. I'm like, Lord, make, and I got there like at 8.01. I'm supposed to be there at uh-huh. 8, you know, so I was like, wow, okay, you really helped to double right. my time there. So yeah, he does do that. Yeah, I think I've told a story before on the podcast of uh, Mother Teresa, who she had, you know, some of her sisters come to her and tell her, we don't have time to do all the stuff we need to do. And her response was, well, then we need to pray more. <laughs> and she, they're like, right. what? That's we just so told true. you we don't have time. No, we need to spend extra time in prayer if we're feeling like we can't get done the things we need to get do done because the Lord will make the way forward, mm-hmm. right? But when we're talking about, I think, resolutions that are ordered towards growing in spiritual health, It's easy, I think, particularly as Catholics, because there's just such a richness of stuff, you know, that you could potentially do, right? There's novenas and there's, uh, you know, chaplets and there's the rosary and there's liturgy of the hours and there's la, 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 la. There's so much stuff, right? So it can be easy to like say, all right, well, I want to like really kill it this year spiritually. So I'm going to add this and this and this and this and this and this all these things. And then what can happen then is that you start to feel like, oh, I just, I need to check that box. I need to check that box. For sure, yeah. And the growth in intimacy doesn't happen. It's only a growth in boxes to check. So I would say that while there, it's really great to have devotions that you're committed to, especially when you're going through times of desolation, which we all will go through in the spiritual life, there's always going to be times of dryness, times where we're just not feeling it as far as like feeling the, the warm fuzzies of the presence of the Lord or prayer. And so it's good to have this structure in your spiritual life and prayer life that you can really be like a firm foundation when you're going through those difficult sure, times. Sure. But... Don't only have those things like open up the space and the time to really attend to the Lord, 
to have what St. John Henry Newman call says, cor ad cor loquitor, heart mm. speaking to heart, mm. to That's rest beautiful. in the Lord. So true, Megan. Savor his presence. Like, you know, that was something that I actually, that happened with me this week in prayers. You know, I've been doing the same scripture reading, like the daily readings every day uh, for the Magnificat, which I love. But uh, I, I, had this moment with the Lord saying, you know, it's really okay if you just, we just sit and adore one another, you mm-hmm. know, and I thought that was really cool. And back to the grandson theme, I was reading the book by Tommy De Paola on St. Patrick. And one of the phrases in there that stuck out to me is that Patrick, he prayed a hundred times during the day and a hundred times at night. And I thought, that's the way I want to be. And that kind of prayer is that adoring of him and loving him Um, and just letting him love me too in return. Yeah, I think, you know, we often talk about how our human relationships can really inform a lot about how we're called into relationship with God. And, you know, I love so much the image of Christ as the bridegroom and to have this deep spousal love for the Lord. And if we think about, you know, a couple when they're in like the height of their love blossoming for each other. Right. The, uh, the thing is you never want to be apart. Like you want every moment to be with that person and just to be in their presence is like the beautiful stimulating thing that you don't even need to talk to just like gaze at each other or just be sitting side by side and just like a little bit of your arm touching is exciting. Right. Yeah, Just to feel that warmth. Right. We're called to that kind of relationship with the Lord to just delight in Mm. him and allow him to delight in us. So, you know, if you're thinking to yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I'd like to grow in my spiritual life, but I just don't really have enough time to be just sitting around like. Then it's not a priority. Well, I'm saying you don't you don't have time not to. (laughs) You don't have time not to because that is the be all and end all of life to be with the Lord. That's our goal. We're meant for heaven. We're meant to just be in the beatific vision and ponder in just amazing worship the almighty God. That's what we're like hoping to do for all eternity. You don't have time not to do that now because like ask yourself really what's more important. What's more important than that? What's more important than the state of your soul in time and eternity? Yeah. And just that, that relationship, on, that people. growing in intimacy, you know, like I was thinking about it recently, um, about how so many people struggle to spend time with the Lord in silence, right? The silent thing, you know, a lot of people talk about silence. I struggle with silence. I have a hard time turning off my mind, turning, you know, just creating that atmosphere of, of just stillness. And I really thought about it and I was like, you know, again, coming back to human relationship, when you're in a relationship that doesn't have a lot of intimacy, silence, extended silence is awkward. Like you feel like this is weird. I just, we kind of need to fill in the space here, you know, but the more intimate you are in relationship with someone, the more comfortable just being together is. You don't need to talk. You don't need to be filling the space. 
So I think that's a challenge that I would, you know, put out to our listeners. If you struggle to feel at peace in silence with the Lord, it probably means your level of intimacy isn't where it would ideally be to feel comfortable in that silence. And so to do the only thing, the only thing that truly helps a relationship grow in intimacy is time together. It's so true. I had had a moment like that where I was eating lunch by myself at the house during the holidays. You know, I was just by myself, going to sit down to the table. And the first thing I would do is like, well, I, I like to read while I'm while I'm eating. And so I'd pull out my phone and the Lord was kind of tapping on my shoulder saying, no, it's you remember when you were a child, there weren't phones and you just sat and ate and pondered, you know. And mm-hmm. so I started doing that again and eat slower and more, you know, <laughs> you don't yeah. eat as fast and we don't need that type of mental distraction really. You know, if you be honest with yourself, you can put that away and just sit and mm-hmm. enjoy a meal in silence. Yeah. Or, or your prayer time, like put away yeah. the phone. Like I'm, when I say put away the phone, I mean, put away <laughs> the phone. Like 20 feet away from you. Yeah, like away. <laughs> you can't see it. You can't hear it. You can't, you can't attend to it. Because I, this is something that the Lord has brought to me recently, that there are many times when I'm in prayer, but I'm kind of half, half listening and I'm willing to interrupt my prayer to attend to somebody who's seeking my attention. Mm-hmm. But what is that saying? It's saying, Lord, you can wait. You're not the priority here. And well, I also, you know, this really is a tactic of the evil one to try and distract us during that time of prayer because he can see what we're doing and he'll do everything in his power. So when you talk about spiritual combat, that's really one way to do it is to keep, you know, swiping away those distractions over and over again. I mean, that's very pleasing to the Lord, that that tenacity. Maybe you don't feel like you've prayed well, but if you have fought the good fight to to fight distraction, that's a prayer in of itself. Right. But help yourself out. Like yeah. put yourself in a position that you're going to be more likely to be successful right. in that. And and that's to really give yourself the space to really fully attend to the Lord. So I think we should probably wrap it up. And you brought up uh, the idea of spiritual combat because we're going to be talking a little bit about that in yes. the next episode. Um, there's a there's a lot of warfare going on out there mm. that is unseen, but it's certainly felt. So we're going to talk about how we can focus our intention on fighting the good fight against the evil one, but never losing sight of our love for brothers and sisters and children of the Lord. So it's important to make sure we separate those two things. So uh, thanks for joining us. So ba- glad to be back, Pam. So glad. And uh, hope you'll tune in next time as we continue to walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love of the Lord and each other. Until next time, God bless. God bless.